بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد واسدق في الطلب ترث علم البصائر This is what حارث المحاسب رحمه الله says He says you need to be sincere in what you seek when you're looking for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need to be sincere. When you do worship, you need to be sincere. Whenever you do anything, you need to be sincere. And this is very important. The reason is that we do a lot of things every day. We do things that we need to do in terms of just living our daily life, whether that means going to work, going to school, just going to sleep, waking up, eating, and the other mundane things that we do and then we do worship now if we leave aside the habitual acts the normal everyday acts that we do anyway if we leave those aside for a moment and we look at the ibadat that we're supposed to do for many of us unfortunately that also becomes ritualistic so we do them at a particular time it's going to be maghrib time we've got a you know we've got a timetable so we go and pray or we pray at home or whatever we just need to get the prayer done so there's no sidq there's no sincerity uh, truthfulness and sincerity truthfulness is when you're true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it means you're sincere to him truthfulness to Allah means that we're not doing it for any other reason but for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so wasduq fit talabi tarith ilm al-basair if you are truthful and sincere in your longing and your desire in what you want from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because at the back of our minds we do want Allah and we do things ritualistically and we get very excited and we think alhamdulillah we've done this that and the other but it could be magnified and enhanced many times over if we did it with sincerity the work we do anything that we do we have the right intention for which we do it then tarith ilm al-basair you will inherit the knowledge the awareness of the inner sight, of the inner sights rather. So you'll actually start seeing things the way Allah wants us to see them. You'll actually see the realities of things. You'll be, we'll be given basically another level of insight, another level at which we can look at things and understand things. And generally when a person has that level, then it encourages them even more because it's more in tandem with the reality of things we're less misled by just the apparent attraction of something and you know this is probably i mean it's always this has always been important there's always been distractions in the world but in the time that we're living in right now the kind of distractions that we have are probably unprecedented where for example so many barriers have been broken the barriers of who you can marry Right, the institution of marriage supposed to be between a man and a woman that's been broken down so it's okay for men to be with men and women to be with women gender is breaking down and thus you can be either and in Canada for example you can actually impose on others to call you Z instead of she or he as a law I'm not sure if it's passed or not, but I think they passed the law. That if somebody insists that they want a gender-neutral pronoun, 
Z, I think one of them was, then you should be calling them that. So the protesters against that are saying that it's ridiculous. I mean, how many pronouns are we going to have to learn? Right? You can understand he and she and they and so on. Right? That's understandable. But to go beyond that and everybody tell you what kind of pronoun they want you to use for them. It's understandable that somebody has a name that they insist you use for them. That's respectful. That's understandable. That people want you to call them by their name. That's understandable. But then pronouns as well. That's just getting complicated. Absurd in fact. This is just the liberal world we're living in. To be a leader today, you need to lie. You need to lie very well. You need to create false news. You need to be belligerent. You need to attack and insult others. And you need to big yourself up. How different is that from what we learn about what a believer should be like? What the Muslim way of doing things should have been, even though Muslims are doing the same thing today in the respected countries that they are in. We're supposed to be not asking for a leadership position unless it's actually forcefully consigned and we're compelled to do so. Then it says that you'll be assisted and helped in that. But if you ask for something yourself, then you won't be assisted, then you'll just be left to the contraptions of the world. So to be a leader today, to be a successful and people actually then vote for you is if you make up a lot of stories, you attack your opponents, and you make yourself out to be the best. So that's the world we're living in. There's a lot of confusion in the world today. Then the social media aspect of it. Again, how does social media work? You have to big yourself up on that. You have to say certain things. You have to do some abnormal things. You have to do some crazy things. That's when you get the likes. Otherwise, if you just keep talking sincerely, on just a few good points here and there, then you're not going to have many followers. But the problem is that social media platform encourages you, forces you, compels you to want more and more and more. And for that you have to do crazier things. So we're living in some really crazy times. And the problem is that we actually think this is right. There, there are people out there who go around to scholars' programs, like Mufti Taqi Saab came recently, their objective of coming to him was so that they could get a selfie from him. With him rather. So I was actually standing behind him and there's an individual that came and took a selfie with him. And then Mufti Takisab went off. And I was still behind there. And the person said to his two or three photographers, did you get the picture? And now it's on his Facebook. So it's almost like that's the new trend of doing things. You will go to different scholars to validate yourself that I've got a picture with someone. Then somebody came to Mufti Taqi Usmani and he tried to put his arm around him to say, let's have a selfie. And Mufti, Mufti Sahib just said, Ye kya hai? and he walked off. Like, what are you going to get out of a picture with somebody? You know, I've been to so many places in the world. Recently, we were in some amazing places where, um, in New Zealand, I went to a place where uh, it's a, there's a lot of volcano. There's a lot of volcanoes in New Zealand, dead and um, you know redundant. And uh, so there's one place where the mud actually bubbles. It's hot.
pools of mud and water geysers. So the person who took us, he says, okay, you know, if you want some, you know, I'll, I'll take your pictures. I said, the whole point of looking at this is for our ibrah. I know I've been there, right? I don't need to take a picture here to remind myself that I've been here. I know that, alhamdulillah. And may Allah keep, keep our memories, you know, fresh. But we've been there, we've done it. I mean, that's it. You've had the experience. So these are all the challenges that we're dealing with today. And people get sucked into them. People get sucked into this and that's the problem. So we need ilm al-basair, we need insight. We need insight, we need to understand what's good for us, what's bad for us, what's a waste of time, what's a distraction. Without that, we're just going to follow the trends of the world. So that's why he's saying that the only way you'll, Allah will give you that opening is if you are sincere in your seeking. In, if you're seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're sincere in that, it's not just ritualistic. You really want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will give you, in, make you an inheritor of the knowledge of insight. Of, he'll give you that awareness. وَتَبْدُ لَكَ عُيُونُ الْمَعَارِفِ In fact, not just that, but the, the springs of gnosis, the springs of awareness of Allah will suddenly become apparent to you and clear to you. It will open up to you. And again, it's the same thing. When, when awareness of things come about, it means you get awareness of the reality. No longer, I, no longer will you be, no longer will we be distracted by the mundane. You'll have seriousness in your life. And seriousness in life and high resolution for the right thing. We won't be misled by things. You need to be able to distinguish. You need to be able to distinguish by yourself the knowledge of that which comes to you purely from the tawfiq of Allah. Purely through divine enablement. And that's exactly what it's telling us. There's a lot of things that we learn about every day. Through our WhatsApp feeds, our Facebook feeds, our other social media feeds, through the news, through both public and personal feeds that we get. There's lots of knowledge that come to us. Now, the, how do you distinguish that as to what to take between that and what is khalis lillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly? How do you distinguish between those two things? So he says, you need to learn to distinguish between those things. Weed out and pass out that which is, pass over that which is not necessary. Cut that out of your life. And just take what is supposed to be divine enablement. Take that knowledge which gives you enablement to do the good only. Because the one who will win, the one who will progress, and the one who will go ahead or get ahead, is the one who does the good, who does the work, who makes the effort. So it's not supposed to be easy. We are supposed to make an effort. But once you make the effort, then things get easier. So the studies of the brain, for example, they show that when things become hardwired in the brain, they become easier to do. And your brain hardly needs any energy to, uh, to process those things. So for example, there's a, there's a scientist, a researcher on the brain. What he did was, a few years ago, there was this thing that children used to do, stacking. Do you remember? You had about four, five, six, 
about six or nine cups, just empty cups. And it would be how fast can you stack them in a pyramid and then break them down and then stack them differently and then break them down. How fast you could do that. I mean, you need a bit of brain power to be able to do that. So what he did was he took the, he got hold of the under 10 winner of the world, right, in the one championship. He got him and himself uh, hooked up with a, is it EEG, I think it is. Is that what you call it? The, uh, which measures the pulses of the, the brain, right? It's like a cap that you wear, it's got electrodes on it. So both of them. Now he did a lot of practice as well to see if he could beat the other guy, the, the little kid, t- uh, less than 10 year old. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to measure the brain activity in both himself and the child to see who's using more brain power. Because the idea was that if that kid is so good at this and he's so fast and swift at it, he must be using more brain power than this guy who's still learning how to do it. But at the end of the competition, at the end of the test, they discovered that the child hardly used any energy whereas his the, the the researcher's brain was actually getting very hot because the activity was much more immense and intense in that so what you learn even though he he only scored about i think a quarter or one tenth of the speed of the other person so the other person is doing something so much more faster the reason is that our brain is so wonderful when you get it habituated to something it it's not just software that's changing, but the hardware, the, elect- the electrodes in the, in the brain, they remember that. And then as soon as you start doing that activity, it actually just falls in place. So he was hardly using any energy. Whereas this person, the, the scientist, the older guy, he had to use a lot of his brain to, to, to do it, even though he's an older person, and, uh, because he just didn't have the same kind of practice. His brain hadn't been hardwired for that. Now Ibn Atayla tells us something very significant. He tells us that he, he tells us the same thing. He says when you want to do good deeds, you have to first force yourself to get onto it. Right? And get yourself involved in it. Otherwise it's difficult. You, there's a lot of there's a lot of resistance. Right? There's a lot of competition from other things as well. And then there's a lot of resistance as well. Once you get used to it, and you start waking up every morning and you do tahajjud and you wake up every morning and you read yasin and you wake up every morning then it becomes the normal default hardwired aspect in your brain now all you need after that is just to make sure that you're conscious of Allah when you do these things that's what makes it easy so there is a struggle at the beginning your brain will have to go through and the body will have to go through a bit of trouble but once it gets and fulfills that and you become habituated, then it becomes easy. Then getting to paradise is easier. But there is a struggle at the beginning. That's why the hadith constantly mentions that Everybody will then be facilitated towards what they've been created for. Whatever Allah has knows that a person is going to do, He will then facilitate that path for you once you've shown. Those who make an exertion in our way, those who make an effort in our way, those who exert themselves in our way, we will then open up the paths for them. But initially there has to be an exertion. You can't get that. I mean, there's very few people who get that for free. Sometimes Allah may just choose some, okay, you know, khalas, overnight something's going to click in your brain and from tomorrow you, you just start doing things and it's so easy for you. But the rest of us, we want it 
but we're not getting it because we're not able to make the effort to do it. And that's what's important. So he's saying now, The one who will get ahead is the one who actually works and who does something. The one who makes the effort, he's going to get ahead. And the one who knows is going to have the fear. The one who knows is going to have the fear. The one who knows in his heart, that is the person who is actually going to have the fear. And the one who relies and trusts on Allah, he will gain the tawakkul, the divine uh, reliance. The one who trusts in Allah will gain the, the, the tawakkul. What does that mean? The one who learns to rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who figures out and understands and fully begins to believe in all sincerity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for us. He's our Lord and we're His creation and He has the best in mind for us. Then that person will be given tawakkul. And obviously tawakkul here refers to the fact that when we are in need, it, it's something that will come to our assistance and our help and give us comfort. So it's almost like there's two aspects to this. We have to learn to depend on Allah so that when we're in need, we can rely on Him. I mean, I hope that's not too confusing. In order to be able to fall back on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be able to think that He's there to help us, we need to initially put our trust in Him. When we learn to trust Allah, that He's going to be there whenever we need us. It's just like with people. You can't just fall back on people unless you learn to trust them. Otherwise you won't trust them. So you have to kind of learn that, okay, and in order to trust somebody, you need a few qualities within them. You can't trust a weak person because you know they're not going to be able to fulfill what you need. You can't trust a busy person because they're not always going to be there for you. They're constantly occupied. You can't trust a selfish person because if it doesn't go in accordance to some kind of selfish motive, then he's not going to help you. He's only going to help you when it's convenient for them. So you can't trust a weak person, you can't trust a selfish person, you can't trust a busy person. You can't trust a poor person. I mean, you can trust him at a certain level, but you can't trust him for everything. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has everything. He's got all the strength that anybody ever needs. He's got the khaza'inu samawati wal He's got the treasures of the heavens and the earth. And He's always ready and willing to help us. And He's not selfish. He's very selfless. He's there very generous. And that's pondering over the 99 names that will help us. So once we begin to learn to trust Allah, He'll always be there to help us. I think this ties in with the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. When the Prophet sallallahu said, Ihfadillaha yahfadhka and ihfadillaha tajidhu tujahak. Be mindful of Allah and you will, He'll always be mindful of you. Be mindful of Allah and you will always found, find Him in front of you. He's always there. But is He there for us? We need to feel that He's there for us. Otherwise Allah is always there. But do you believe and do I believe that Allah is there for us all the time? Well, we better learn to trust Him and understand the qualities and characteristics that He has. How do you learn to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, when we figure out that His 99 names, for example, and the other names that we have, 
when we kind of understand that he's got all the capabilities of being the one that needs to be trusted. And then he says, And the one who has the yaqeen and the one who has conviction, he will have the fear. We, Allah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for more, more of that. And then he says, And Allah will give you more. He gives more to the one who's thankful. How are you thankful? What is the basic element that is required for somebody to be thankful? What do you think? What do you think you need to be thankful in the first place? Appreciation, which means you need the acknowledgement. You need to recognize. How do you recognize if you think that, if somebody thinks that they're the ones who are doing everything by their own ability? I'm, I've got all of this because I've got a lot of brains. I've got this, I managed to get that person. I managed to get married to that person because I'm so beautiful. I'm so handsome. I'm so wealthy. I'm so crafty. Whatever you want to call, whatever you want to say. If a person is bringing everything back to themselves, they can never appreciate what Allah has given them. Because while we may be intelligent, and while we may be handsome and beautiful and all the rest of it, and attractive and, and clever and everything else, or whatever it may be, who gives that per- who gives that to somebody? Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that to somebody. So we have to recognize it comes from Allah. And the wonderful thing about this is that when we realize where it comes from, then Allah is going to give us more. Because He loves it when a person acknowledges that fact. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes to reciprocate with His, with his servants. That's why the famous hadith says that I am with my servant as he thinks of me. I am with my servant as he or she thinks of me. So if, if we recognize this is from Allah and He can give us even more, then He'll give it to us. It's not beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us these things. If we really want it, that's the thing. That's what's keeping us back. We don't, we don't take that initial step. So all of these things are about taking the initial step and then Allah reciprocates and gives us. And there's no way that He won't give us if we try. It's just we have to try with certainty, with sincerity. And we can fail and that's what happens. We fail miserably sometimes. We fail miserably sometimes. We ask Allah for forgiveness. But that's the beautiful part of the deen that when we do make a mistake, we want to get back up. What we don't want to do is that when we, want to, when we make a mistake, right? That then the shaitan uses that mistake to take us further into another mistake. And then to make us feel like there's no, there's no option, right? It's all lost. That's the problem. And you know, how can we go against that? How can we protect ourselves from the shaitan using our mistakes to further lead us into destruction? What do you think we need? What do you think we need? That we all make mistakes. Sometime or the other we're going to make a mistake. What is it that is going to stop us from getting further into that mistake? Right, but you need tawbah. You need to be able to do tawbah. There's a, something that's needed to do tawbah. You need... Sorry? Hope. How do you get hope? What do you need to get hope from? Trust. How do you build the trust? How do you know you should trust Him? Sorry? Why would you submit? What forces you to submit? You need yaqeen, but you get yaqeen through knowing about something. Knowledge. I think it's knowledge at the end of it. If you know that he forgives mistakes, if you know that he is there to help regardless, if you know that he is more merciful than all the mothers in the world, all the merciful people in the world, 
then even when we're in trouble, then we're going to know, well, he still can help us. Shait, the knowledge is the, basically, knowledge from Allah, I think, is a shield from the shaitan. Because then shaitan can't make us think, hey, you're finished, you, you can't get anywhere, you're always like this, look how big a mistake you made, there's no way of getting back, how can you, that's so grave. When you know about Allah and all His characteristics and His attributes, then you can have your yaqeen. Then you will make tawbah. That's when you will trust in Him. And all of these things will come about because you know. And you know, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people who, you know, when you speak to you about certain mistakes, they, you know, because there's somebody you knew and then suddenly they disappeared for a very long time and then they came back after a very long time, right? So what happened? They said, well, this is the first mistake I made and then... I just carried on making mistakes. Why? So, well, I just thought that I'm finished. I was such a bad sin I did. That was just so bad what I did that there's no way of coming back. Now, what could have saved him is to know more. Right? Because generally when you know more, ilm is the first step in everything. You need to know about Allah. Without knowing about Allah, what are you going to do? You need to know He's gracious. You need to know He's grateful. You need to know that He's generous. You need to know that he's ghafoor and ghafir and ghaffar and everything. You need to know all of these things. So with that knowledge, the more Quran we read and the more hadith we read, and the more we read lives of pious individuals, that's really, really helpful because that's in action. That's where you see somebody living the life, going through difficulties, interacting with uh, the issues of the world, and how they, mashallah, are successful. All the way from their birth to their death. So reading biographies of, uh, of great people who we know are secure. Not people who are alive who could mess up tomorrow. Allah preserve us. But people who are, mashallah, who are securely gone from this world and they've, they've taken a place, inshallah, in paradise. To learn, to read that and how they apply the Quran and Sunnah, that's really what helps us. That's why always read more. Always learn more. Always listen more to lectures and bayans of great people. And that is what will give us the knowledge, the required knowledge. So even when we're in our miserable time, something is going to help us, inshallah. That's going to help us create the yaqeen and tawakkul and everything else. Now look at this. This is exactly what he's saying next. I'm just going to read this. We'll explain this next time. He says, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ مَا يَصِلُ الْعَبْدُ إِلَيْهِ مِنَ الْفَهْمِ بِقَدْرِ تَقْدِيمِ عَقْلِهِ Know that that... Whatever a servant, whatever position and level a, a servant has reached of understanding, meaning whatever comprehension and understanding you've attained, it's generally going to be by how much of your intelligence you put forward, how much you exercise your intelligence. So to get an understanding and comprehension, you need to use your intelligence. And then he says, um, that is the one way you get it through your intelligence. And number two, And the knowledge that he has. The knowledge that is existent with him. Along with the taqwa of Allah and his obedience. Whoever Allah grants an intelligence to. And revives him, gives him life, freshens him revives him with knowledge after the iman he's given us iman and then he's given us knowledge and then he gives him insight with full conviction of his own defects 
فَقَدْ نُظِمَتْ لَهُ خِصَالُ الْبِرِّ Then all the characteristics of righteousness have then been strung for him, have come together for him. فَطْلُبِ الْبِرَّ فِي التَّقْوَى وَخُذِ الْعِلْمَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْخَشْيَةِ So then he tells us to try to acquire as much taqwa as possible and take the knowledge from the people of fear. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, increase us in our ilm al-nafi'ah. And that's the beautiful dua of the Prophet sallallahu nafi'ah. Uh, oh Allah, increase us in beneficial knowledge. And Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin la yanfa' And protect us from knowledge that does not benefit because we got so many sources of knowledge and information these days that we could basically be swimming in that all day and then be drowning in it and not really learn anything proper. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam. Tabarakti adal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Ya hayyu ya qayyum, ya hayyu ya qayyum, ya adal jalali wal ikram. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimeen. اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah, oh Allah, it is your mercy that we ask for Oh Allah, we ask for your forgiveness Oh Allah, grant us complete forgiveness Oh Allah, forgive us for the sins that we've committed knowingly and unknowingly Oh Allah, those that we've done when we were distracted, those that we done even though we were conscious, those we did in the daylight and those we did at night. Oh Allah, those that we remember, those we have forgiven and those we have forgotten. Oh Allah, we are full of sin, we are full of defect, we are full of weaknesses. Oh Allah, we're very weak. Oh Allah, we become distracted so fast. Oh Allah, we are constantly in a state of distraction. Oh Allah, there are so many challenges around us. There are so many distractions around us. There are so many things to lead us astray. Oh Allah, there are so many things that will beguile us and distract us from focusing on you and from remembering you. Oh Allah, grant us strength. Oh Allah, grant us insight. Grant us awareness. Grant us barakah and blessing. Grant us your mercy. Oh Allah, grant us your love. Oh Allah, make your love intense in our heart. Make us of those who you mention about in the Qur'an. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ Oh Allah, you've made us believers. Oh Allah, we believe in your oneness, in your divine oneness. Oh Allah, we believe in your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, we pray to you. We only pray to you. Oh Allah, make us of those who are constantly connected to you, who love you more than anything else, who love your obedience, and oh Allah, who hate your disbelief, disobedience. Oh Allah, oh Allah, pick us up, and oh Allah, have mercy on us. Oh Allah, have mercy on us. Take us by the forelocks and enter us into paradise. Oh Allah, for you it's a decision. Oh Allah, for you it's a simple decree. Oh Allah, for you it's a simple decree. For us, it's a difficult, it's a, it's difficulty. But oh Allah, facilitate for us. Oh Allah, make us of those who are written to be in the jurisdiction of your pleasure. Oh Allah, do not write us to be among those who are in the circle of your displeasure. Oh Allah, we don't know what our ending is going to be like. But currently, we know that we are believers in you. And we have great hope in you that you will keep us strong believers and only strengthen us over the course of the rest of our life. 
O oh Allah, make the rest of our life better than our previous life. O oh Allah, make the rest of our days better than our previous days. O oh Allah, make us better every day that we continue. O oh Allah, and make the final days our best days. O oh Allah, and make the best moment the moment that we will stand in front of you. O oh Allah, protect us and our children. Make us true guides for those who are guided. And O oh Allah, protect us and preserve us. O oh Allah, the distractions, distractions that are only getting even more intense day by day. Allow us to see through them. Grant us true insight. Grant us true awareness. And grant us your love. O oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Keep us away from harmful knowledge. And O oh Allah, there are so many things that tell us that it's they are beneficial for us. O oh Allah, you reveal to us what is beneficial for us truly for the sake of this world and especially for the sake of the hereafter. O oh Allah, bless all of those who make these gatherings, facilitate these gatherings for us. O oh Allah, bless all of those who are attending and who are sitting here and those who are listening. O oh Allah, we ask that you do not allow us to turn away without being forgiven. And O oh Allah, you allow us to fulfill the other chores of our life that are needed and necessary for us by giving us blessing in our life. And especially in these remaining days until Ramadan, bless us in them so that we can complete whatever may occupy us during Ramadan so that we may be free during the month of Ramadan. O oh Allah, accept our du'as and do not turn us back empty-handed. Do not turn us away empty-handed. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. والحمد لله رب العالمين